Hey, Keto Freaks. In case you haven't heard, Richard Morris and I are turning the entire town of New London, Connecticut, ketogenic in July 2017. Keto Fest isn't a conference. Conferences are for professionals. Festivals are for people. We will have some great speakers, yes, but also a pig roast, music, movies, cooking lessons, fitness lessons, bike tours, walking tours, and a whole lot of camaraderie among fellow Ketonians. Richard and I will both be there, as will many of our podcast guests and Facebook group admins. There's so much going on, I don't have time to tell you here. So go to ketofest.com and add your name to the mailing list so you'll know where to go and when in order to get your tickets. Keto Fest, real keto for real people. Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. And in February of 2016, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. In just two and a half months, I managed to reverse all my markers of type 2 diabetes with diet alone. As of now, I'm 80-ish pounds lighter with no signs of diabetes or heart disease. Hi, I'm Richard Morris in Canberra, Australia. I've been on a ketogenic diet for over two years. When I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. Within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. I've also lost about 80 pounds, and I've completely turned my health around. And this show is a document of my progress through ketosis and Richard's experience thriving for years in ketosis. Yeah. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah, we're not doctors. We don't want to give anyone any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, so we're not afraid of a little technical detail, are we, Carl? Nah. We have done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind that. We hope to share some of that research. Where possible, we intend to put links in the show notes to cite research supporting any claims that we make. And you'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. Oh, yeah. We love to cook and we love to eat, don't we, Richard? Mm-hmm. We sure do. <laughs> in every episode, we both share a keto recipe that cannot be ignored. Hey, absolutely not. <laughs> so this is no different. So let's start podcast episode 41, Friends and Family. Is it 41 already? We've had 41 podcasts. Yeah. One more and we'll have the answer to everything. that's going to be a special episode looking forward to it well the ketogenic diet seems to be the answer to everything so uh i think so it'll be an appropriate show (laughs) yeah yeah so do we have any corrections or apologies from last week my friend yeah we have that was a supplement show and uh we were going through so quickly the things that we prepared to talk about and i totally missed out Two very important ones that I wanted to speak about. One was uh, both both of them were minerals. One was magnesium, and the other one was potassium. Mm. And potassium, you can get a lot of potassium in your diet just from like avocados, avocados, and, and, yeah. uh, 
Yeah. Um, but I also supplement a little bit of potassium whenever I do any exercise. Right. Um, I will often have like light salt, which is uh, half potassium chloride, half sodium chloride. And yeah. I'll have a little bit of that in, in water and that, uh, and maybe a little bit of magnesium, which is the other thing that I wanted to talk about. Uh, you get magnesium from anything that's green. Ah. Magnesium is one of the elements inside a chlorophyll molecule. So things like dark leafy greens have more magnesium. Iceberg lettuces have less magnesium. So, mm. you know, the more green, the darker the green, the more likely chance that you're going to have more magnesium in that food. Um, I also supplement a little bit of magnesium every day and uh, I have a little bit of magnesium citrate. And what that does for me, I sometimes get cramps and uh, what that does is it relax. it's a muscle relaxant and mm. uh, it will also help with uh, regularity as well. So um, so I, that's that's become one of my regular supplements. So I should have spoken about it last week. I apologize for that. And that's in the errata. Yeah, no problem. Um, leafy greens. Do you? How do you feel about kale? I'm not a big fan of kale, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not I, really I, either. No. I grow silver beet and I grow warrigal greens, which is a native bush food uh, version of spinach. Mm. Like we had creamed warrigal greens tonight with steak, with a wagyu steak for dinner because it was fast-breaking time. I love spinach. Yeah, yeah. I love spinach. And, I mean, I heard an interesting podcast actually from – uh, Sarah Hulberg, and she says that when they, when she recommends to people how to go about formulating their ketogenic diet, she always says, if you have vegetables, always have them with fat. So if mm. you do spinach, do it with cream cheese or with butter or, you know, so always make sure that you have, you're adding fat to your vegetables. And yes, ma'am. I just, <laughs> all I can do is stand up and salute that because that is Absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> That's the way to eat vegetables, kids. It is. Yeah. It is. That's why we didn't like them for all those years because I know. there was never any fat. Steamed vegetables with no fat on them. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. No. Yeah. But uh, cauliflower or, or um, broccoli with cheese on it. Oh, how good is that? Oh, it's so good. Mm. Yeah. Anything blasted in the broiler with a little olive oil and salt and pepper. Yeah. And just can't go wrong. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's recap what the ketogenic diet is. Sure. We like to keep below 20 grams of carbs a day. Yeah. And that comes from incidentals like green leafy vegetables, yeah. maybe a couple of nuts. And um, no, absolutely no bread, no starch, no sugar. It's just amazing how I, when I tell people about the ketogenic diet and they think of, you know, low carb and they look right at you and say, so is sugar got carbohydrates? <laughs> kind of <laughs> does. <laughs> it's really funny. Does bread have carbohydrates? Does bread have carbohydrates? <laughs> what about rice? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Just, people just don't know, you know? They yeah. know what has fat, but they really don't know what has carbs. Yeah, I tell people sugar and starch, and that's mm. you know people people know that sugar and starch are two different things. What mm. they don't realize is that starch is just a, 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 a bunch of sugars all lined up together. Unsweet sugar. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Well, uh, so we get twenty grams of carbs or less. Protein yeah. scales based on the amount of lean body mass that you have. That's right. And we go by uh, one to one and a half grams of protein for every kilogram of lean body mass you have. Yeah. And that's worked for me for, for now 31 months. And, yeah. uh, you know, I've been pretty happy with that. So, uh, yeah. but, you know, if you're, if you're working out a lot, if you're building, uh, if you're building muscles, mm -hmm. you're going to need more protein. Right. Um, if you have a fairly sedentary life, you may need less protein. So yep. it, it, you really have to dial that in and it's going to be unique to you as an individual. Yeah. But carbs and protein really are, you want to have a minimum of that because both of those will 
cause you to produce insulin. But right. the critical thing for keto is we're getting all of our energy from fat. Yeah, fat's where it's at. It fat's where it's at, and your fat doesn't raise your insulin. Um, and certainly for those of us who are insulin resistant, that then tips you down a really nasty cliff. Yeah. But get your energy from fat, uh, and that's why we say fat to satiety. Yep. So it either comes from the fat that's on your plate or the fat that's on your body. It does. One yeah. of the one or the other or both. And uh, we have a little tenet here that if you're hungry, reach for some fat. Yeah. Eat a little butter, eat a little coconut oil. And when you're satiated, don't eat any more. Yeah, that's right. You know, we haven't talked about fat adaptation in a while. Mm. You know, keto adaptation, fat adaptation. And there's a difference between being in ketosis, which happens, you know, after a few days of eating yeah. low carb, high fat, and then being fat adapted, whereas every cell in your body is really good at burning ketones for fuel. Once you're fat adapted, which takes four to eight weeks, it's going to take seven or eight weeks to undo all of that. Yeah. So this is why we like to say, just get fat adapted. Mm. You know, the first four to eight weeks are going to be the hardest because once you're there, you have metabolic flexibility that Absolutely. you didn't have before. And you know that you don't stop getting better after that four to eight weeks. I was mm. uh, I was lucky enough to go to a, a lecture with uh, Steve Finney uh, last mm. week that I won't shut up about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. But, name uh, dropper. Uh, yeah, I'm name dropping, yeah. <laughs> but he said that uh, Jeff Volek had found that some of his extreme athletes were able to notice an improvement in their performance, right. specifically in their times, yeah. Almost six months into into the, the process. And, wow. and so for most of us, after about eight weeks, the the additional improvements are almost imperceptible. Hmm. But for an athlete, an athlete really knows if they're a couple of seconds slow in their personal time. So yeah. you know, and so they, they tend to notice it. And so almost six months down the track, we're still getting better at moving fat from body fat yeah. uh, through our body and to the cells that need to burn it and into our cellular furnaces. Very cool. So tell me, Carl, how was your week this week? I went to Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah, nice. I went to a conference uh, in software development. I was speaking Dev Intersection uh, in Europe. Yep. And uh, no, I didn't frequent any coffee shops or smoke any of that funny stuff that they smoke over there. But uh, I, I did stay in my hotel room and write a lot of code. So that was fun. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. And I kept it ketogenic the whole time, except for the last night. Okay. I decided to go have a dinner with my friends um, that I haven't seen, a, a local friend that I hadn't seen in, in 10 years or so. And uh, wow. there was uh, just some very nice things that I wanted to taste, and I did. And, um, you know, I felt bad the next morning like you do. Yeah. But you know what's great? You just a little coconut oil for, you know, and it just yeah. goes away. Yeah. <laughs> it just goes nice. away. You also had an international flight, so you're going to feel bad anyway. Yeah, so, that's yeah. true. Fair enough. But yeah, I had a so I had a great week. I I really really love the way my brain feels when I'm on ketones, you know. The focus is incredible. Yeah. And the antithesis of that is I noticed the last day my brain wasn't working the next morning after that meal. Yeah. So how was your week, buddy? Yeah, it was pretty good. I've just been for a 70K bike ride. It's uh, Canberra 
it was probably the first day of summer. I guess you wow. could say it's uh, sort of the end of spring, but um, the sun was out and, boy, did I get a lot of vitamin D today. In <laughs> fact, a little burn. I, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm red like a Scotsman <laughs> the mm. first day of summer. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I, I did my three-day uh my three-day fast, uh, my Zorn fast with everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so I finished up. Now, I actually broke my fast halfway through my bike ride because I was just – I was starting to lag a little bit and I recognized that I was having trouble getting energy. And I, I, I huh. normally when I ride, I take a bag of uh, – a small bag of macadamia nuts, right. a bit of coconut oil on them and some salt. And uh, I wasn't intending to eat these because I was – fasting at the time but mm-hmm. i just i've gotten to the point where i can recognize when i'm starting to um uh, flag for energy and so it was an ideal time just to uh break my fast while i was on my ride have a couple mm. of macadamia nuts yeah. about 20 minutes later i had a couple more and about 20 minutes later i had a couple more after that and it's really important when you break your fast to have a, a, a gentle meal and uh something that's that basically you don't want to to you don't want to take your gut from zero to a hundred in first gear. You want to go mm. up through the gears slowly, and so that's really mm. what that that was all about. Cool. But the other thing I did was I pick I picked some fights. <laughs> oh yeah, well that's true. We got to talk about this. It yeah. wasn't just you. I mean, we we were basically sticking up for Doctor Fung, who got uh, handed a, a sort of a bad reaction from one of his tweets, yeah. and uh, it turned into a cyberbullying session. Of the worst kind, and, and and it just compelled us to to speak out. Yeah, we just decided to stand up for him. Yeah. So what happened was um, he tweeted about two keynoters at an obesity conference in New Orleans. Yeah. And these keynote speakers were supposed experts on obesity, and one was pushing the calories in, calories out dogma, right. and the other was pushing genetics as an explanation for obesity. Yeah. And so Jason, knowing the real cause of obesity is insulin, um, decided to be flip as he is. Yep. And he posted their pictures, took them right off the website and said, you know, our, our supposed experts, you know, touting calories in and calories out and, and genetics, you know, yeah. oh boy, kind of roll, did a, a roll of his eyes, you know, we're in good hands kind of thing. Sure. And then a guy named Yoni Friedhoff, who has a sort of history of, of bullying on Twitter, yeah. um, called Jason a fat shamer. Right. And Jason said nothing about their weight. He was criticizing their positions and their uh, arguments. Well, this guy was a, this guy's a family doctor. So Dr. Friedhoff had actually said you know, he was the one who introduced the the issue of their of their weight anyway. Right. So then everybody piled on uh, Jason about, you know, yeah. him being a fat shamer. So this woman who took Yoni's tweets and wrote a blog post about it um, basically didn't know anything about what Jason has done. Right. And what he uh, has, how he has cured uh, his patients of type 2 mm. diabetes. and Thousands of patients. Yeah. Yep. And so uh, it just got ugly, and we decided we wanted to stick up for him. So then, yeah, well, there's actually history behind this because a couple of months ago, you probably remember there was a video that came out of Dr. Kevin Hall from the National Institute of Health claiming that he had proven the ins- the insulin obesity hypothesis has been falsified. Right, and it was a poster pre- uh, presentation. 
So it was very early. It was before it had even been been accepted for publication. Mm-hmm. And it was and he was getting out over his skis. And Jason Fung wrote a point by point refutation of Kevin Hall's analysis of his data, showing that his data did not support his analysis. <laughs> you know. Right. So so he literally he basically pantsed the guy in public. Yeah. And the uh, the interesting thing about that was that the videographer of that presentation was Dr. Friedhoff. Uh-huh. And it was publicized on Vox.com by Julia Bellows, who is the- Who wrote the article about Fung. Right. So these guys were- So so Dr. Fung's humiliation was ordered up. It was ready to go. All he had to do was say something stupid or something slightly- Inappropriate. Slightly inappropriate. And yeah, and so that so so this was just it was just brewing, and mm. we saw this happen. And the poor guy, nobody was standing up for him. So we thought, oh well, we'll we'll write a blog post and uh, point out that this guy has been so- cyberbullying other doctors, and right. this journalist writes anything that he wants her to write. Right. You know? So so that's the that's the the genesis of it. And of course, it's now taken off and. And it is what yeah. it is. But and a South African um, blogger, Marika Sboros, has written yeah. about our blog post and also included other examples of cyberbullying, such as Dr. Gary Fetka, right, and Tim Noakes, and Tim Noakes. And we're doing a blog series on all of these instances of right. cyberbullying because the problem is that as soon as a medical expert basically puts their hand up and says, here's a way to treat diabetes. 52% of the, uh, of the modern world has diabetes and it's going to bankrupt us unless we do something about it and here's a way to do it and it's proven because those people who've tried it have cured their diabetes like Carl and I have. Right. As soon as a medical specialist does that, the rest of the industry all turn on them and cyberbullying them like this. So, yeah. you know, in the case of Gary Fetke, that people were putting photos of his family pet on his locker with a knife through it, wow. you know, there's entire groups on Facebook that are dedicated to cyberbullying and all these doctors. And Tim Noakes is another case. I mean, yeah. he's being dragged through the courts. Jennifer Elliott is a dietitian who I was lucky enough to meet last week for the first time ever when I went to the Stephen Finney lecture, and mm. she was kicked out of the Dietitians Association of Australia for recommending uh, an inappropriate diet. Gary Fetke, this <laughs> is the funny thing, Gary Fetke, the, the complaint against him is inappropriately reversing diabetes. Yeah. That's the exact quote of, That's crazy. <laughs> of the complaint against him, inappropriately reversing diabetes. Well, right. I'm going to put my hand up and say that my diabetes got inappropriately reversed and I don't care who I is going uh, to yeah. have a problem with that. I'm not <laughs> handing in my cure either. No, me either. <laughs> So yeah. that's my week. I've been picking, but well, I guess we've both been picking a few fights. And uh, yeah, we have, and it's a good fight. It's a fight that uh, I never thought I would become an activist, but you know, when no. you see the the crazy stuff that goes on, uh, you know, where the if you, you follow the money, you know, just like Tom Naughton says, follow the money. Yeah, you see what's real, pretty <laughs> obviously. So we're uh, we're stand with us. Mm. What can I say? Yeah. All right, then. I think we should read some... Mail! Mail! What we got? Well, we've got one from Greg Trantham from our Facebook group, and he says that he went to an office party that had a Thanksgiving feast, Hmm. and he'd mentioned to his wife that the stuffing sure did look good and smell good, 
a rare and difficult temptation. Obviously, for somebody who's keto, you don't want to mm. um, you don't want to go for the stuffing. But when he got home, he found that his non keto mother had sent over some keto cauliflower stuffing for him. Mums are so awesome. That is great. You yeah. know, and it, because we're talking about friends and family, you know, the moms are probably going to get a bad rap yeah. <laughs> because they're the ones that don't understand. But this is awesome. Yeah, I've got a good mum story, actually. My, okay. As you know, my mother's a bit of a fruit bat. She likes – right. She, she gets most of her calories from fruit. So, yeah. you know, it, that is what it is and, and, and it, it doesn't appear to have harmed her. So mm. we don't share that ability <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, uh, right. because when I eat fruit, it severely deranges me. Yeah, severely me deranges my metabolism. But so anyway, we were – Julie and I were up in Queensland uh, where my parents live um, about a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. and I had been in—I'd been in keto for, I guess, maybe almost a year at that point, and I'd lost a lot of my weight, and all my diabetic complications had gone. And everybody was congratulating me and saying how awesome it was because they know how difficult it had been for me. Yeah, and um. We were having dinner at my parents' place. Now, normally dinner at my parents' place is what my mother wants to eat, (laughs) (laughs) which is a lot of fruit and stuff. But she'd researched and she'd actually worked out what what I can and can't eat and she'd gone out and bought cheese and she'd bought ham and she'd bought – she bought some berries and she bought some low fat yogurt. So that's not quite, not, not mm. quite there, but I ate a little bit of that low fat yogurt because I appreciated the effort. So, um, that's great. But so, you know, mums are awesome. And, uh, it's nice when they recognize that, uh, that your diet is having a great effect on you. I think so. my mother's coming around. She has, you know, she's been a whole grain fruit, you know, lots of, lots of whole grains all her life. And, uh, yeah. I think she secretly eats uh, sweets when nobody's looking, kind of thing. But uh, anyway, but she—I think she's coming around. She's coming over for Thanksgiving, and uh, as my children are as well. And we're gonna have a—I'm cooking keto, and we'll see what happens. Mm, nice. All right. So here's a message from our Facebook group, uh, and this was posted November 18th by Karen Holmquist, and mm. she says it's official. I won. Okay. (laughs) Congratulations, Congratulations. Karen. Tell her what she won, Carl. (laughs) All right. Well, she says, after 10 weeks of competition, I beat out 48 co-workers to take the title of biggest loser. Ah, you big loser. (laughs) Yeah. 48. Wow. That's impressive. So she says, I'm $200 richer and 12% body weight lighter than I was 10 (laughs) weeks ago. And the cherry on top, nothing ironic about that metaphor, is that I'm going to feel awesome on the beach next week because of all the inches I lost. I'm very, very thankful (laughs) heading into Thanksgiving this week. Wow. Hey. That's outstanding. Bravo. Yeah. Actually, I have a couple of clappers here that I... Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Listeners of my other podcast will recognize those too. <laughs> um, wow. That's great, Karen. Well done. Yeah. I almost think it's an unfair advantage, you know, ketogenic diet going into a biggest loser competition. Yeah, it kind of is. You can just crank the weight down. Yeah. And keep it off. Yeah, she. It was funny actually. She she reckons that uh, she'd already lost a bunch of weight before she started the competition, <laughs> so she was feeling like these other people were just going to beat her easily. But uh, she said she'd already lost fifteen pounds before the competition started. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> anyway, and she said that other people were doing doing crazy eating to gain weight before the competition, so that they could weigh in big first mm. and then <laughs> lose more uh, weight. 
Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Hey, before we start our uh, our real content today, mm. I want to tell everybody that I started a local ketogenic support group in my town. Nice. And I even built a website with the code generator I was building last week, which mm. is at newlondonketo.org. And by the way, this website took me about 10 minutes to build. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so basically, I've decided I want an official group that my doctor can send people to, that local people like uh, Stephen Jeannie Siegel and Les Haley mm. and some other friends of mine who are all doing keto and, and being really successful with it, Mark Miller, Karen Menchikati, mm. they yeah. can all come and, um, and help people who want to learn more in a no shame, no blame kind of uh, welcoming community. Somebody asked on our forum, what's the next phase after keto? And I really think that the next phase after getting yourself sorted out is mm. helping other people. And yeah. that for us has been, that's been like the, the next rocket boost is to, to do the podcast, try and help other people go keto. Yes. You know, and, and for me, that has actually helped me stay on keto by helping other people. So, Yep. So if you're in the New London, Connecticut area and you are interested in that, go to newlondonketo.org and sign up. So the last mail is from Brenda Zorn. Brenda. Now, you all know Brenda. She was on episode 21. Yeah. And she was also on episode 32 with Kim yep. on our female show. That's right. And this is a mail from Brenda in our Facebook forum. Mm. And she says, most of my family has some form of insulin resistance. And I suspect the remaining few have it too. They're slowly gaining weight every year. That's a pretty mm. good sign, Brenda. So ready for this? Here is a Thanksgiving menu email my family sent out yesterday. Everybody chose what they were bringing. My daughter is bringing a turkey with bread dressing. Mm. My oldest brother, who is very sick with type 2 diabetes mellitus, and he's on max medication, he's bringing cranberry sauce and a pie. Oh, nice. My recently diagnosed pre-diabetic older sister is bringing mashed potatoes and pie. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting the theme here. Yeah. My nephew and wife are bringing rice casserole. Okay. Okay. My mother, who has just had her first abnormal A1C, is bringing rolls. Yeah. <laughs> and my youngest brother is just diagnosed with metabolic syndrome, is bringing pie, Cool Whip. <laughs> what the actual F? Cool Whip. <laughs> cool Whip. <laughs> cool Whip. And then she says, me, I'm bringing a green salad and a faux-tato salad, that's F-A-U-X, faux-tato, made with yeah. cauliflower, cheese and nice. salami, uh, a cheese ball with raw veggies, pickles, and an olive tray. And then she says, FML, <laughs> they're in denial, dinner for 12 people and bringing three pies. Three pies. Unbelievable. She goes on to to drop a few other expletives uh, and ends with, toes are better than pies. Oh, and, dear. Yeah. And this message got us thinking that, you know, we're just about on the cusp of Thanksgiving here. We're recording this yeah. on the 20th. So yeah. six days after this comes out or seven days after, it's going to be Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving and people are yeah. going to have to deal with their friends and family. And, and, you know, here's a perfect storm right here. You've got a bunch of people in denial. They just want to have their pies and stuff and they don't want to be lectured about keto this. Or I've actually had people in my family tell me, you know, we were going to take a ride somewhere. And this person says, yeah, don't say a word about keto. 
No keto, <laughs> all right? It's like, yeah, fine, whatever. Yeah. So obviously there's this tension that is yeah. happening, especially among your family, but uh, friends too. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. We've got to – sometimes your family are going to be worried that you're losing weight so quickly mm. because you do when you go keto, yeah. and the diet does look bonkers. You know, if you've been mm-hmm. brought up on the food pyramid on a lot of whole grains and very little fat um, – being a reasonable, moderate diet, and then you meet somebody who's losing weight by eating a lot of fat and no whole grains and yeah. no healthy fruit and mm. you know no healthy vegetables like potatoes and beets <laughs> and all you know yeah. uh, you're gonna you're gonna be concerned, especially if you're a family member. So yeah, so that's one thing about family is how do you talk to family about the ketogenic diet? How do yeah. you allay their fears? Because there's different styles, right? I mean, uh, and this is yeah. what we asked people to give us their feedback. We did, yeah. Yeah, we want to know what do you do about these people in your life who could use a little keto, but what worked, what didn't? Are you a militant interventionist, a peaceful example setter, or somewhere in between? <laughs> yeah. Are you just in it for yourself, or do you feel compelled to share your experiences with the sick among us? Mm. And what do you feel is the best way to help loved ones understand, or do you just not bother? Yeah. So we... We had a whole bunch of responses to this, and mm. uh, and I, I put a post out there, and I quoted Brenda's post, and uh, which yeah. she already had gotten a lot of great responses. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I have an idea, first of all, which is for those who don't understand that why you just can't have a little bit of mashed potatoes, you know, because right. that's... that's Surely obvious. you can have just a little bit. You can have just a <laughs> little many, bit. Yeah. How many times do you get that? <laughs> right. So here's what I would suggest doing. At dinner, before you dig in, take out your blood meter, stick your finger, put a little blood drop on there, sure. and you know everybody's going to go, what are you doing? I'm well, just testing my blood sugar. Hmm. And then pull up the number, and you probably won't have eaten for a few hours, so your, your blood sugar, if you're a keto person, is going to be hovering around 100, right? Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Hmm. And then um, you eat some fat. And just say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just eat all this meat and, you know, I'm eating my keto stuff and some fatty meat or whatever. And then about, you know, don't have any mashed potatoes, don't have any carbs. Mm. And then about a half an hour later, pull it out again. Yep. And say, ah, okay, went up a little bit, which it probably will, right? A little bit of protein will do that. Yep. Show the number. Yep. And then uh, say, you know what? I I think I'll do an experiment. I wonder Mm. what would happen if I ate some mashed potatoes, just a couple of bites. Yeah. You know what's going to happen. Yeah. Your sugar's going to go bonkers because mashed potatoes goes right right to sugar in your system, right? So do the experiment. Or a bit of bread, a bit of a slice of bread. Uh, You know, a slice of dry bread with no butter on it. Yeah. That, That is really confronting to people who are in the mode of thinking of whole grains as healthy and fat as bad for you. Yeah. Just eat a slice of bread with no a slice of whole grain bread. Make sure, you know, don't, yeah, don't go grain. for the white stuff. Get the whole grain stuff because that's better for you, right? That's right. Because everybody thinks that mashed potatoes, we can all agree that those are bad, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Especially Absolutely. if you put so, butter on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got to use that light gravy. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right. Actually, you're right. A, a slice of whole grain bread. And then a half an hour after that, you see the difference and you, yeah. sh- you show them and say, that's why I do what I do, because yeah. this high blood sugar 
is killing me. Yeah. Yeah. There was a show once on TV in New York where Dr. Bernstein did this thing with uh, glucose sticks. Now, these are dipsticks that you dip into urine that tells mm. you how much glucose is in your urine. And mm. what he did was on t- he was debating a dietitian on TV, and she was saying the same kind of thing. You know, whole grain bread is healthy for you. All this right. fat is not healthy for you. And yeah. he what he did was he took a piece of the whole grain bread chewed it up so he basically covered it with saliva mm-hmm. now saliva has an enzyme in it that starts breaking down all of that right. starch into glucose almost immediately so yeah. he chewed it around his mouth for like 30 seconds and then he uh, spat, spat it, out it out and took it took the dipstick and put the dipstick in it and it indicated that it was absolutely full of sugar yeah and sh- and the dietitian at that point just had no comeback i mean right. you know yeah that's pretty much it you know so, but we do, I, I've never, I've not seen those dipsticks since, and it wouldn't work. I don't believe with the the blood meters, unfortunately. No, probably but not. We can certainly no. do the test. You can do the test by eating some bread yourself, and and you know, t- take one for the team. It's going to mean one that, for the uh, team. That's right. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be craving for the next day, and just let your family know this is I did this for you. you know, right. I'm gonna crave. I'm going to crave sweets for the next day, and I'm just have I have the self control to to get past that. Yeah. And then eat some coconut oil. That's <laughs> and right. Some, and some butter. Eat, <laughs> eat, eat a spoonful of butter right in front That's of them. That's right. There you go. So let's read some responses that we got sure. from this post. This one's from Andrew. He says, I've been trying to get my mom to try keto. Mm. Nothing else has worked for her. She's tried Weight Watchers and other low-fat diets. She's even had lap band surgery. I worry about her a lot, but her attitude Mm. towards this way of eating is negative and based off the lies we've been told all our lives. Of course it is. My parents eat out every meal, so when they are in town, I try to live by example and I get the most appetizing meal I can find on the menu. (laughs) Most of the time I get a, and that's healthy, in a snarky (laughs) tone. (laughs) But I can tell she's thinking about it. She knows it worked for me. If I push the subject, it gets slammed down immediately. So I figure the quiet live by example approach is the best way to go without any hard feelings coming between us. Yeah, I think that's a good a good plan because uh, live the example you want to see in others. Live the change that you want to see in others. Right. And in this case, you share genetics. And right. so the things that affect you are probably affecting them in the same way. So, And even though genetics loads the pistol... Yeah. Your diet actually pulls the trigger. Like yeah. You, just because you have a genetic predisposition towards type 2 diabetes doesn't mean that you have to live with it your whole life. Right. But there's a good chance that the diet that your mother is currently eating is the diet that you grew up with and, and that you ate for a long time too. So, right. you know, you probably both have the same the same bullet and the same trigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, one thing I, w- I like to do uh, with my uh, nieces and nephews, because I only just really found out maybe a month ago that my grandfather was type 2 diabetic for the last eight years of his life. Right. And so it's become very important now because there's multiple people in my family who have this insulin resistance. It's become very important for me to uh, to find out how many of my nieces and nephews, basically my brothers and cousins' uh, kids, are type 2 diabetic or have the potential of becoming type 2 diabetic Mm. or have what's called uh, diabetes in situ or occluded diabetes. It basically means they're they're producing too much insulin but nobody knows about it yet because they're producing just enough to keep their glucose in control. And then 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, their glucose goes out of control and the doctors say, oh, you might have a problem with diabetes but you've had it for 15 years. It's been very important for me to get... uh, 
uh, some of my nieces and nephews when they, I guess in their 20s, in their early 20s is probably a good time because that's really when it started uh, going mm. south for me. Mm. In the early 20s, get them to have an insulin assay test. And if you can't get a full five-hour you know, insulin test every every hour for five hours, then just uh, do the ghetto version that Ivor Cummins was uh, speaking about, uh, mm. which was basically get your kids to eat some glucose uh, two hours before the test and then get an insulin, right. an, a fasting insulin test, and that'll tell you whether they're uh, uh, at risk. And, and, and then just do the test every 10 years, just yeah. to make sure that they're, uh, they're not uh, succumbing. So in the Set a Good Example camp, Jackie says... I would also love a show about uh, events and pressure. You can't have just a little piece of pie. Fruit is healthy. Oh, and that, yeah. that sort of speaks to my, my solution, which is to do a, a live example right at dinner in front, of your, uh, in front of your family. And then she goes on to say, oh, and I think the best way to help is being a good example. I just started September and I've lost 13 pounds and I want to lose another 40. So when people see that, they will wonder... Co-workers have commented that I seem happier, more energetic, and I tell them mm -hmm. how I'm eating. I got blood drawn yesterday, and I have a physical in a week, so I hope there are good things to share. Yeah. Hmm. So Carol says she gets asked often uh, what she's done to lose weight, um, and she generally sees her patients every 6 to 12 months. So those who haven't seen her for a while are quite shocked. Uh, mm. So she has lots of opportunity to spread the good news there. Um, she does, however, usually get the, oh, I could never give up bread. <laughs> yep. And I've heard that so many times. I so mean, many times. When, as soon as I tell people about a ketogenic diet, it's either bread, pasta, or potatoes. Oh, I right. couldn't give up. I couldn't give uh, up beer. <laughs> That's another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, she, Carol says, uh, my family situation is different. One daughter is LCHF, so one of her family members is, is – uh, uh, going gone low carb. Uh, her husband is type two diabetes, but he's cut down a bit on carbs. He just can't go all the way and give up bread quite yet. And her other mm. daughter is not interested at all. She's twenty seven and lives an hour away. So, mm. um, among her extended family, however, she's got a vegan sister who's a McDougal advocate and has got her mother and her registered nurse sister over to their side. Mm. Hmm. So the RN sister, who I guess is a sister sister, she needs mm -hmm. to lose about 80 pounds. And I'm tempted to ask her how her diet is going. <laughs> That's her McDougal vegetarian diet. Uh, right. But I don't want to be rude. Uh, she's got the outdated medical advice that she's learned keeping her from trying keto. Yeah. Oh, you'll get ketoacidosis, they say. Yeah. All that cholesterol and saturated fat is bad for you, they'll say. Hmm. Um and so Carol says, I just keep plugging away, getting healthier and enjoying my food. Mm. But she has a funny story that she finishes with. She says, my vegan sister came out for my mum's birthday party a few months ago and made vegan cupcakes for dessert for mum's party. <laughs> my non-low-carb healthy fat daughter was checking out the dessert table and the folks standing around warned her off the cupcakes, <laughs> saying they were really, really bad. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Carol says, it warmed my heart to hear that tale. <laughs> That's great. So this one is from Melinda, and she says, this is how I started keto. One of my online friends was having a lot of personal problems and began keto to treat her mental health and other issues. Right. She was discussing it with me in our chat and mentioned that she was having trouble keeping weight on. Ah. She's very thin and doesn't need to lose any weight. Right. Yeah. This sparked my interest a lot. 
I'm just under five foot nothing and had mm. just reached my highest ever adult weight, 241 pounds. Mm. My two X shirts were huge on me, except they were tight on my stomach. So one day right. I just decided to go for it. July 3rd of this year. I didn't actually know what keto was, some kind of low carb diet. In fact, I was out shopping and the first keto meal I decided to have was West Virginia beans. I don't... And she goes, lol. I don't know what that means. Yeah. That's a reference to something. I don't know what something. West Virginia beans is. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to find out. It must be a American thing. Yeah. I guess. Then I went home and told my fiance that I was doing keto, and he was dismissive, especially when I pulled out a snack of summer sausage and cheddar cheese. <laughs> <laughs> he said, oh, nice. that's part of your diet. You can oh, eat yeah. cheese. <laughs> and yes, it was with an attitude. Of course. There's always some snot comes with that. <laughs> right. Of course. And then he went on a bodybuilder website and looked it up. After reading yeah. some dude bros saying how great keto was, he decided <laughs> to jump on it with me. Nice. And the next day, he started at breakfast. We went over to mother-in-law's house for the 4th of July, and we told his family mm -hmm. about it. And I was going through bad carb withdrawals at the moment. And oh, his yeah. mom seemed interested because her good friend had started keto, too. And she wow. has had type 2 diabetes for 13 years. Perfect candidate, then. Yeah. She had also recently had knee surgery and was generally in declining health. And that diabetes brain was starting to set in. The rest of his family was polite but cautious about it. And then she goes on. So several days into keto, his mom joined us. Yeah. She had support from us and her friend. And we all had support from each other. So it was already working out great. We all quickly lost about 10 pounds. Nice. And you've got yourself a little support group there. Yeah, that's right. And it mm. goes, it gets bigger. At this point, his older sister joined us too. Awesome. And she's had a weight problem since she was a child. She also has hip problems, which run in the family. Mm. Diabetes runs in their family too. And she recently lost 10 to 20 pounds by upping her veggies, exercising more in that. But it was slow and easily lost progress. Yeah. Yeah. Now, all four of us have been on keto since July. We share recipes and food, and we try to have dinner with his mother once a week, but she's recently started night shifts as a floor nurse, and she's in her upper 50s. Right. But keto has helped her a lot with her new job. She doesn't have crashes anymore. Her blood sugar numbers are amazing. She isn't hungry all the time, and she's lost weight. Sounds familiar. Mm. All four of us have lost about 30 pounds at this point. And next Sunday, the whole family is getting together for Thanksgiving, and we're doing a keto Thanksgiving. Awesome. That's yeah. why we did the recipes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So far, we have a large ham from a local farmer, mashed nice. cauliflower, vegetables, oh, and yeah. cheesecake planned. I'm getting hungry now. <laughs> I know. And then she finishes up by saying, I'll post later about what all ends up making it in there. In attendance yeah. will be tons of non-keto people, but his family is generally supportive and open to this, so they're happy to join in. Isn't that awesome? That is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is a great opportunity when your family do it with you. I was lucky that Julie wanted to do keto with me, even though I was the one who was sick. I was the one with type 2 diabetes. She really didn't. She needed to lose weight, but I wasn't going to say that at the point mm. at the time. But she um, she lost uh, almost a third of her body weight, and uh, she did really well. And you've probably all seen the photos on our blog uh, yeah. of how well she's done. But yes. um, it was really good for her to 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 do it with me because uh, we would uh, prepare meals at the same time. We'd have the same food, and uh, and it was it was an opportunity to. Um, 
to reinforce what we were doing, which was great. It would be tough if you were just by yourself, really would. Yeah. Or if you were the only member of a family and everybody else disagreed with what you were doing mm. and were snarky about it and trying to sl- slip your carbs all the time. Yeah. That would be horrible. And Melinda goes on to talk some more about her non-family. She says, I do subtly try to recruit people to keto, though. Mm. I often post science articles on my Facebook, like the recent ones involving Alzheimer's and diabetes or yeah. the ones about the the BS, the sugar industry sets for us. And she says, I plant the seeds. Nice. Yeah. Which is the best thing to do. I think that's it. I think that our job, once we've fixed ourselves, our job is to get two more people into this and the geometric progression will be unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah, If all of us get two more people in and they all get two more people in, we're going to start a grassroots movement. Yep. Sure are. So Amber says that my father's diabetic and also not a science guy. He is Mm. also stubborn. So I just try to explain how I feel when I'm eating keto. He has started ordering his burgers on lettuce wraps. Awesome. Uh, It's a start, but he has a long way to go. I'm more peaceful in my talking about it. Yeah, that's sort of like the other side of the coin, isn't it? Because, you know, you and I are geeks and we like to talk science and science is impressive to a lot of people and... But then you have the people who are just like, you know, I don't want to hear it and just pass the potatoes. I'm going to eat what I want to eat. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. So, uh, but you know, good on Amber. Yeah. For absolutely. being able to get get her father to think about it a little bit. So Lynn actually said something interesting that follows along with your idea of testing yourself. Rather than mm. testing yourself and you know, testing yourself eating bread, test your blood sugar before and after the meal. And you, of course, eat keto meal Mm. and ask your family to test theirs before and after the meal. And, of course, they eat their food and then show them the difference. Facts don't lie. Well, yeah. And that's a little bit of a more general test because you really haven't nailed down what exactly it was that caused your blood sugar to spike. Yeah. You know, if if somebody's eating a, a typical Thanksgiving meal, they have bread stuffing and cranberry sauce and pie and mashed potatoes. And you would expect their blood sugar to go up. But i that's why I like the idea you had of just one slice of whole wheat bread, which everybody thinks yeah. is vital for life and yep. critical nutrition. Absolutely. Yeah, or a banana, you know? Oh, yeah. If I ate a half a banana, I think I'd have a coma. <laughs> <laughs> so one more. Stephanie said, I do the cooking. When I don't control the menu, I eat what fits into keto and add in fat. Mm. I don't try to convert people. I'm a nurse and a mom, and I found leading by example is the most peaceful way for me. Yes, Stephanie, that's that's one option. <laughs> yeah, it I'm, is. I'm I'm a little bit more controversial. I like to get in people's faces and, <laughs> and explain to them the science and why they should be doing it, and the fact that they share genetics with me in the case of my family, and why they really should be uh, uh, at least considering this because uh, they could be just like me, killing themselves, rotting themselves from the inside, and not even be aware of it. Yeah, and I, I suppose you just have to walk that line. You have to figure out what's going to be most effective for you. Um, yeah. And uh, certainly in the, my circle of friends, just being the example has worked a lot. Mm. But I've also posted a lot of things on my Facebook page, my personal page. Yeah, every month you do something, you do a story about your keto. Uh, you mm. do before, before and after shots really make a, a, mm. a, a visceral difference to people because they can yep. see 
you know, and especially they can. The thing I've really noticed about our Facebook group, we've got over eight thousand people there. By the way, right. congratulations, Carl. We have eight thousand people. Yes, Facebook congratulations, so that, Richard. We have eight thousand people this week. <laughs> <laughs> so, and we've and and our most popular podcast so far has had over ninety thousand downloads. So that's right. There's another benchmark. Mm. So, uh, but I've noticed in the Facebook group that when people post their before and after photos, it's not so much that they're losing weight and everybody is, but we're all getting back our faces. We're getting yeah. back our unique, distinctive, character-filled faces. Uh, and, and when we start out, you know, we're in sort of bland faces that everybody has when they yeah. gain weight. And right. they're not, and and it's only once we start to lose that, and we start to our faces are starting to pop out from 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 behind the fat masks that they were behind. So, and it's not just the fat face, but the the quality of skin, you know, mm. the skin tone yeah, is just perfect. Clearly more healthy. Yeah, and I think people respond to that when they see those before and after shots. Mm. I mean, those ones of you were great, and you had like 300, 400 software developers yeah. all get on there and then and then maybe I think we had a conversion rate of maybe one in ten would actually yeah. become members of our Facebook group and right. some would listen to the podcast and uh, and stuff mm. so uh, yeah it's awesome I think that I, I really think that the goal after getting yourself fixed is to get some more people into it get I your agree. family and friends in because there's a good chance they share your genetics and they're going to do just as well as you have, and um, then they get their family and friends in, and you know it's and, one of these things that geometric progression. Right, and if you're like Richard and I, and have actually changed your doctor's opinion of nutrition, yeah. then you know having um, an official sort of local group that your doctor can send people to for support is going to absolutely save lives. Yeah, and so you know, it's absolutely. not a bad idea just to you know meet once a week, once a month. Giving your doctor extra tools. Absolutely, giving your doctor extra tools because they don't know what to do. No, that's right, and I, uh, they're just as frustrated as we are about this mm. whole thing because fifty-two percent of the modern world have got type two diabetes. Either they know about it or they don't. Yeah, you know, it's going to become part of their lives, and they only treat the symptoms, and they don't treat the cause. That's it, and 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 they want to treat the cause. They're not they're not doing this to become pill pushers. They're doing right. this to to fix people's lives. And so, yeah. I think that the thing about your doctor is that you, here's your opportunity to be the example that your doctor needs. Yeah. And so, go into your doctor after you've lost weight and explain to them what you've been doing, and that gives them the opportunity to say, wait a minute, that actually worked for that patient. They were able to successfully lose weight, and they've been able to successfully keep it off, and their biomarkers of disease have all disappeared, and their blood mm. work is looking so much better. Mm. That then gives them, I guess, the confidence yeah. to be able to suggest this to other people. And then, you know, Carl's group, also our podcast. I know my doctor sends people to our podcast often. Yep. So, you Me know, that's, uh, that's another thing. And... The opportunity, if you can be the example that your doctor needs to have the confidence to recommend it to other people, then they're going to see between a thousand and ten thousand patients a year, every year, who may have exactly the same problem. So there's a great opportunity if your doctor gets confidence with this and starts saving people's lives, then there's a great opportunity to affect a lot of people. Yeah, well said. And with that, I'm getting hungry. Yes. So let's get some uh, recipes. Recipes. <laughs> so what do you got, Carl? I got, I get, I'll go first and get this out of the way. Sure. This is the simplest, yummiest, most amazing thing since chocolate mousse. 
Okay. <laughs> That's a really high bar there. <laughs> it is a high bar, but I think you're going to like it. Okay. You know, everybody complains that I, I just can't seem to get enough fat, you know? Mm. I don't want to just eat butter and bacon is boring all the time. I just need more sources of fat. Well, the cheese crisps that I highlighted mm. in an old show, a yeah. very early show, are a staple of mm. crispy, crunchy goodness in my house. Yeah, you have them with a bit of liver and you have them with, uh, what else do you put on that? Cream cheese and mushrooms? Yeah, mushroom brie, um, mm, just any kind right. of mushroom brie. pate or anything. So here's another pate. It's smoked bluefish pate. Okay. So this is from Epicurious. Mm. And I believe, I think I heard Martha Stewart talking about this once <laughs> and I tried it. It's real simple. It's smoked bluefish without the skin and bones, of course, and cream cheese. So what's bluefish? So bluefish is a fishy, mm. oily mm. fish. Okay. Okay. Like a sardine sort of thing. Like a sardine, maybe not as strong, but quite, right. yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's in that ilk. Mm. It's a bigger fish than a sardine, first gotcha. of all. Yeah. But it's very oily and it's very fishy. Mm. And then when you smoke it, of course, it gets... You know, mm, like most delicious. smoked foods, just really delicious. Yeah. So it's that and cream cheese and just, yeah. you know, whiz it together. Now, that is a pate that I think I could partake of. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But they, at Epicurious, they, uh, they sex it up a little bit. So the mm. ingredients are two tablespoons of finely chopped shallots. Yep. Two tablespoons of fresh lemon juice, because let's mm -hmm. face it, uh, when you have salty, oily fish, lemon juice is great. Yep. Cuts the oil. Yep. Yep. Uh, an eight-ounce package of cream cheese, softened, and a quarter pound of smoked bluefish or smoked trout, or, you know, for that matter, smoked salmon. Any smoked fish, smoked her herring, yeah. Yeah, herring, salmon, skin discarded, no bones, yeah. and chopped. And then they add three tablespoons of finely chopped chives, mm, nice. and then, uh, you know, mix it all together and put it on your favorite fat delivery vehicle. <laughs> mm, that sounds delicious. Isn't that sound yeah, good? I, I, I mean, you can... I can imagine that on a cheese cracker, yeah. maybe on top of it, put like sour cream and capers, chopped up capers. Oh, oh that sounds good. With a bit of dill, maybe. Just on like a little, oh, little yes. bit on top. of Yeah. Ah. That, now, now we're talking. <laughs> All right. Well, now I have my appetizers for Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah that's not, that mm -hmm. little bit of sour cream and dill, that's not going to be my recipe. I've got a different recipe, though. <laughs> All right. So what do you got? This recipe is Julie's recipe, and she's been making it ever since we went low-carb. In fact, she used to make it before we went low-carb, so it's it's just huh. a regular recipe. So this is Julie's low-carb red cabbage. Uh, you mean like a German spicy, clovey, allspice red cabbage? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and it's unctuous. And basically what you're going to do is you're going to take a, a red cabbage, a whole head of cabbage, you're going to chop it up, Mm. And you're going to get a Dutch oven and you're going to put a little bit of butter in it and you're mm. going to chop up a half an onion and you're going to brown the onion. Nice. And then on top of that, you're going to put some fennel seeds uh, and some cloves mm. and a bay leaf and maybe one or two bay leaves mm -hmm. and some thyme and basically your favorite herbs, but thyme and bay leaves go in most yeah, of the food. sure. And so when it hits the heat – it's going to release some of its aromas. And then what you're going to do is you're going to deglaze the pan with a little bit of apple cider vinegar, mm. about 125 mils of apple cider vinegar. Nice. And then on top of that, you're going to put your cabbage. Mm -hmm. And then you 
put it on a low heat. It's going to be on for about an hour, and you need to check it every 15 minutes because what you want to do- You don't want it to stick to the bottom. Yeah, you don't want it to catch. So you want to yeah. come and give it just a little bit of hot water. So you have maybe mm. a, a, a mug of boiling water on the side, and you're just going to put a couple of spoonfuls of it in it every now and then and get a wooden spoon just to pull it, pull the fond off the bottom of the bottom of the pan. So basically- S- Sort of the, so the same principle behind making a risotto. Basically, you're letting yeah. the- the the juice soak into the cabbage essentially yeah yeah and it's basically you can add a little bit of stock as well but we're trying to get really an apple flavor to it yeah that's the true traditional uh german flavor nice and so uh it takes about an hour to cook this and to what you end up with it, it reduces about half in volume because the the, right. the liquids come out of the cabbage basically right and so what you end up with is a big pot of cabbage now um what we do is we portion it into freezer bags so we roll we basically put it into the bottom of the freezer bag roll the freezer bag up and put it in the freezer and freeze it solid. And then when we want to reuse it, you just ch- chuck it in the microwave, warm it up, and it's good to go. So uh, you can have it with ham. You can mm. have it with pulled meat, any of the pulled meats that we've got. Um, and there'll be a recipe for this on the Two Keto Dudes blog site. That's fantastic. I That sounds so good. I think I'm going to make that <laughs> for Thanksgiving too. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'll let you know how my experience turns out with my uh, with my family. I mean, I mean, my kids are doing paleo and keto. Emmy's keto and and uh, yeah. Clara's paleo. But uh, well, Em was our first uh, guest, really, wasn't that's she? That's right, she was. Yeah, yeah. We'll find out how she's doing, and I'll see if mm-hmm. my mother agrees to uh, stay off the carbs for the whole rest of the day, because uh, yeah. that'd be really interesting if she decides to do that. Uh, you don't want to get her to have to go through carb flu as well as Thanksgiving sort of overeating. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, if she eats carbs and all of the fat that I'm going to put on the table, then that, that probably won't work <laughs> nice. out well for her. <laughs> no, no, it probably uh, won't. Probably won't. So, listeners, if you have anything that you want to tell us, something we said wrong or something that you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or even refute what we've said, Send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com or post it on our website. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at 2KetoDudes or on Instagram mm-hmm. at 2KetoDudes. And, of course, if you want to join our Facebook community, it's fb.2keto.com. If you want to learn about the ketogenic diet in a nutshell, read the booklet that Richard and I have written. It's at booklet.2keto.com. Yeah. Our recipe archive is at recipes.2keto.com. <laughs> And, uh, and our blog is at blog.2keto.com. Absolutely. Keep calm and keto on, Richard. Keep calm and keto on. All right. And we'll see you next time on, on Two, Two Keto, keto Dudes. Dudes.